Hi, it's really great to have you with us. I'm Rob Porter, my wife Heather and I have the amazing privilege of being the senior pastors at Kingdom Culture Church in Burpengary, Queensland. We have an incredible preaching team and I hope that this message will encourage and bless you as you listen. Everybody okay? Good. My soul thirst for the living God we sang tonight. I won't stop till I'm satisfied. The issue is, will we go, this was four weeks and this was enough for us? Or will we go, this was four weeks and we just begun to prime the pump? Because we have just started to make a track. Our dog has made a track in the garden where he runs and he chases the neighbor's dog and, and so on. He's worn this deep track. We are just beginning to, to make a track that we can follow and go, this is how the Holy Spirit moves. This is where the water is running deep. This is where the river of God is flowing. And I, all, really all I want to say, now, all the Holy Spirit wants to say tonight is, keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back. What does that look like? You see, we make the mistake. We think that every service has to look like a, a spirit without measure service instead of realizing that if we change it to make it do that, we actually take away the moving of the Holy Spirit because we start to formulate what He wants to do. So what is, it, what, is it, what is the option to us? The option is that when we worship, we should expect to be filled with laughter. When we worship, we should expect to fall on our knees and our hearts should break. When we worship, we should repent before the Lord of lords and the King of kings. When we worship, we should know what it is to fall on our knees and cry out to God for our nation. When we worship, we should know what it is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're not talking about baptism that was on a date back in 1974, but we're talking about a baptism in the Holy Spirit that is daily moving us, daily drawing us, daily making us dissatisfied with our world and our circumstances so that we can meet the circumstances that we face every day with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit because we are looking for revival in the future when we should be looking for revival in us here and now because what happened he said that out of you will come rivers of living water That river of living water is revival water. It's not one water for revival and one water for now. It is the water of the living God. And we have been sold an untruth or a mistruth or a bent truth. I don't know how to put it politely. But the truth is that revival starts in the house of God, flows like a river. And we can be part of that river tonight if we choose to be. Okay, so I'm going to do a bit of mopping up. When I was a kid, my mum used to make roast dinners in England. We used to have roast beef and gravy and Yorkshire pudding. And we would use the Yorkshire pudding to mop the gravy up at the end. In fact, when we didn't have visitors, I used to pick my plate up and drink the gravy. Who wants to drink the gravy tonight? We spent the last four weeks looking at the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit is to reveal, promote, and bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. 
as a result of him living in a believer's life. That's you and me. And yet for some reason we hang out for a future revival instead of living in personal revival. Now, the spirit and the mind were never meant to be enemies of each other, but in friendship. A renewed mind is essential to our faith. When I went to church, I started going to church, I was taught you can't trust your mind. It's evil and wicked. But the truth is when the Holy Spirit, when Jesus inhabits a person, when the Holy Spirit inhabits a person, he starts to do what? Renew your mind. Every single day, the Holy Spirit is working on us for the renewing of our mind. The reason? Because it's God's heart to invade this earth with his will. We know this is true because what does he say in, the, in the, what we call the Lord's Prayer? Your will be done where? On earth as it is in. So the, he, the will of heaven to be done on earth. Really, really important. Romans 12 verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is the will of God that is good and acceptable and perfect. The Spirit working on your mind. So what does the renewed mind do then? Well, in Romans 12 it says it proves the will of God. It proves the will of God. So the will of God is to see the miraculous on earth. Are you with me? Okay, you're following the pattern. So see the miraculous on earth. So there is a definite correlation between the mind and the miraculous. We'll, we'll, we'll get there and we'll show all this, but what is it that we call a miracle? What is it? A miracle is the correction or realignment of earthly situations and circumstances so they reflect and conform to the rhythm of heaven. There is no sickness, no lack, no sorrow, no sin, no death in heaven. And he said, on earth as it is in heaven. Now, faith, as we know, doesn't come from the renewed mind. It comes from the heart. Faith is not the product of striving. It's the result of surrender. That's a really big one, but it's the truth. What's the point? Believers want to be overwhelmed by the Spirit, don't we? But not transformed. We love a good old service where we get knocked to the floor and the pastor's laughing and Fred's bringing down the fire of God and there's all this rah and the worship is just... Abby's screaming and running around the stage and the whole thing's taking off. And we love, we love that. By the renewing of your mind. What's the Holy, what's the Holy Spirit? Renewing our mind. Renewing of the mind. Why? The renewed mind creates a context for faith to run on. Like a train on a track. So, the last 18 months in the world, things have shifted and settled. What that looks like for you, I don't know. It could be good, could be bad. Some have settled there, yes. Some have settled there, no. Some of us have settled for less than faith. 
some things have shifted into place. For others, things have shifted away from a life of faith. In every season of life, you and I are invited to renew our mind. There is an invitation that comes where the Holy Spirit comes every single season and says, will you work with me? get to the end of a preaching series and we go, oh, well, that's the end then, what's next? But this type of preaching series is not to tick a box, it's actually to prepare us, to move us into 2022, to 2023, to 2024. It's not a stop, start, stop, start. It's a move of the Holy Spirit. There is a move of the Holy Spirit. Every season in life is an invitation to engage with the Holy Spirit and have our minds renewed. We see no better example um, of the importance of moving in a renewed mind than we do in Mark 8, 13 to 21. Now bear with me because all of this is really, really important for where we want to go. And it says, and he left them and entering into the boat again, he departed to the other side. Look, Fred tried that this morning and it didn't work for him because he just can't pull it off. You start a sentence, you go, Jesus loves you. So I thought I'd have Emma on the keys. Because that's what Fred does. The keys, please. Anyway, back to our scripture, Mark 8. And he left them and entering into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Now, warning here, this is King James, so you're going to have a lot of yees. It's better with a ye. And he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned amongst themselves and said, is it because we have no bread? And when Jesus knew it, he said to them, Why reason you because you have no bread? Do you not perceive nor understand? Have, have you your heart yet hardened? Have you your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see you not. And having ears, hear you not. It's really hard to read because I'm not used to reading it. <laughs> and do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves among 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments took you up? And they said unto him, Twelve. And when the seven among 4,000, how many baskets full of fragments took you up? And they said, seven. And he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? Now, Jesus begins in this scripture to warn his disciples about the influence of the Pharisees and the influence of Herod. Okay, they were a bit flustered, I think. And they go, he's, he's, he's talking about us having done a man shop. And instead of buying bread... We bought chips and dip and Coke and Tim Tams. And we forgot the bread. The husbands are clapping because they've all got it in the neck from their wives on occasion. See, the language of Jesus explaining something really important to them. So I'm going to break it down what's happening here. Jesus is highlighting two really important kingdom truths here. So nothing of substance, importance, or value can ever be built from a mindset of lack. What have we done wrong? Oh, we didn't get the bread. Two, there are three types of leaven. Leaven is yeast, right? 
So there's three types of, I know this is a little deep for a Sunday night, but plunge in with me. So what was he talking about? He was talking about political mindset and the religious mindset. The Pharisees was the religious mindset. Herod was the political mindset. Now, the disciples hear Jesus talking about something they don't understand, and they conclude that they're lacking. Any reasoning, any thought process that begins with what we don't have, what we lack, has to be repented of. Nothing of substance can be built on a thought that starts in lack. So Jesus warns him about the leaven of Pharisees and Herod. Now, there's a third leaven, and that's in Matthew 13, verse 33. It says, um, he spoke another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three satyr of flour, which is 22 kilos. That's one big loaf, until it was all leavened. See, the kingdom's growth... Unlike, this is not how we see it. We sort of want the kingdom just to poof. But actually, this says the kingdom's growth is steady. I don't know about you, I've done some bread making. But it's almost imperceptible, the rise. But it doesn't leaven in patches, it leavens the whole loaf. The kingdom of heaven is coming, has come, is moving, is growing. See, um, you need... To, you need to need. You need to need the loaf. And by doing that, you, you cause a tearing and there's a rise. There's all spiritual wonderful things in that, and I'm not going to go into that. Leaven is a yeast, right? Bread needs yeast to rise, but yeast needs heat to cause the rise. So fire always activates what yeast is in your mind. So if our mind is political or religious or the kingdom of God, heat will always reveal what is in our minds. So there's a worldview and a kingdom perspective. <clears throat> Herod and the Pharisees, religious, political, we said that. The political mindset, religion, I don't have time to go into all of these. But kingdom perspectives threaten to overthrow the religious and the political mindset because it's the polar opposite. It has to go. Old mindsets have to go so that the kingdom can come. So Jesus warns about these value systems, political, religious, that can persuade us against the reality of the kingdom. Paul says... What you can see is temporal. What you can't see is eternal. Now, I really struggle with that, and I think you do too, because this feels so real. How can this that feels so real be temporal and the thing I can't see eternal? It, it's just, and I'm glad most of you are nodding. The rest of you, I'm praying for you because I feel like you might be lying. Because this feels real. And the problems I feel are real. And the annoyances I feel in the traffic is real. And the, the promotion I missed and I should have got is real. 
and the sickness my father got and he died from is real. But it's not as real as the kingdom of heaven and kingdom of heaven is eternal. What he's doing is building a, an identity of who we are. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you know, the political systems and the religious systems have one overriding thing that they do, and that is that they are born out of a fear of man. The Pharisees, when Jesus questioned them, they refused to answer him because they knew that people would know that they didn't know what they were doing and they had no relationship with God. Pilate chose to release Barabbas over Jesus because he was worried about a riot on his hand and what people would, that he'd get reported to Caesar. See, fear masquerades as wisdom. You know what? Fear will draw to itself whatever it needs to legitimize its existence. I'll tell you how we know that. I, you can watch somebody come in into our church as a new person, and they might be disaffected, upset with church from their last church. Might not be, but say this person walks in, they didn't like the last part of it. They will gravitate and always find the one group of people who are not happy with the current church and they will be, that, that the people who are in this church will then go, oh, we will become the voice for you of discontent. I'm not alluding to anything, but it just happens. There is a gravitational pull. Sin attracts sin. Gossip attracts gossip. Fear attracts fear. Faith attracts faith. whole section on gossip I'm going to zoom over what's the point that Jesus though is making to his disciples it's a really important one so he says when we started with five loaves we got 12 baskets left over when we started with seven loaves we got seven baskets left over and what the point he's making is simply this when he fed most people he started with the least amount of food, but he had the most leftovers. So starting with more is not an advantage in the kingdom of God. When we believe there's a tipping point that will come in my life that I will get to 40 and I will be, I'll have been a Christian 20 years and then everything will be, whoa, cruisy by then. Who's got to 40? I can't see. But whoever got to 40, tell them the truth. It's no different. You fight the same things. The Goliaths that come out morning and night, you still fight them. Might not be as frequent and you might know what to do better. But the truth is, on this walk with Jesus Christ, things in a sense remain the same. But our mind gets renewed. And we know how to fight the battles that he places before us. But the truth is that... God is asking, he was saying, Jesus was saying to his disciples, you need to think differently. Starting with more is what Wall Street does. 
or the YouTube money gurus. That's their perspective. It's not the kingdom. The Bible is full of stories of people who started out on the back foot, were down on their luck. They were overlooked. They were underappreciated and probably underpaid. And yet God called them to greatness, not by starting them from a place of power and privilege, but the Holy Spirit walking with them until their perspective changed, till their mind had been renewed. Why is it that we think, oh, as a church, and we've all done this as a leadership, and I'm speaking to the pastors and the leaders here, but something the Holy Spirit really spoke to me almost severely this week is we go, oh, when we get to 13,000 a week, then we will see a difference. But the truth is, God says, my economy is bigger than $13,000 a week. And if that's all you want, that's all you'll get. But if we want to believe that kingdom finance is released over this church, then we can. And we can have faith for that because we limit the Holy Spirit in all our good intentions. And this is not a message necessarily about money, but I've no fear about preaching about money. The truth is, It's a limitation and God is blowing that. And he's saying, somebody gave me a word before the message tonight, talking about the capping of the well. And there is an oil well flowing in our midst. And if we want to cap it and go, oh, we'll just accept a couple of gallons an hour. But if we want a gusher in our presence, if we want a gushing and a moving of the Holy Spirit without restraint, if that is what we were believing for, then that is what we can have. Because he said, it's spirit without measure. Spirit without measure. He says to them, having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? We know that salvation gives us the ability to see. Because in John 3, verse 3, it says, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The implication is that with the conversion, with conversion comes the ability to see the things of the Spirit. So, but he's saying, you can't see. And then he says, is your hard heart? I don't know about you, but if Jesus said that to me, I don't think I'd get back off my knees. I think I'd feel like, you know, imagine the Jesus of the chosen, you know. Jesse Rose, have you got a hard heart? It's like, ah! But he never does it to humiliate. He never does it to embarrass them. He brings it as an invitation to work with the Holy Spirit and see what the Holy Spirit is going to do. And what was he doing? He was saying to them, all you can see is your lack. But I'm trying to show you that actually you've already, I've already fed the 5,000 and they'd just come from a place where they had fed the 4,000 and you see what happens is miracles are actually really expensive because what they're meant to do and what they're supposed to do is renew this mind so that we come from a perspective of he did it before he would do it again. He did it for Dave, he will do it for me. He did it for Caleb, he will do it for you. It's not about what you start with, it's about the miracle that happened, the renewing of the mind. This is why he said to them, Can't you remember what I did? You see, the truth is, 
to see, you might need to be gifted. To hear, you might need to be gifted. But to remember, all of us can do that. All of us can remember the goodness of God. All of us can look back on our lives and go, you met me there, you'll meet me again. You met me in my finance, you'll do it again. You met me in my marriage, you'll do it again. You met me for my children, you'll do it again. You met me and brought me to this church and you'll do it again. You will free the captive. You will cause deliverance to be preached. You will cause hard hearts to be turned. You will see the Holy Spirit moving in your midst. If he'd done it before, he will do it again because it's reliant on him, not upon me, not upon you, but on the Holy Spirit moving. Miracles are expensive because they require change. And they weren't actually meant to be scattered through our lives to alleviate the tedium. And I do feel sometimes as churches we slip into that. Oh, let's see a miracle and then people get a bit excited and they'll still come. Oh, there might be a miracle tonight. I think I'll go along to church. See, miracles that are just observed and applauded but don't shift our perspective have not had their full impact. When we experience miracles, when we experience the moving of the Holy Spirit or specific outpourings, it's not camp around the revival fire and chuck a log on every now and then. This fire is supposed to cause the leaven, the yeast of the kingdom that's in our mind, in our hearts, in our spirit, to rise, to rise, to rise, to increase. It's supposed to make me change the way I deal with the situations of my life. See, once you've seen supernatural supply, you have, you don't, you have every right to start any thought process with, this is what the Lord did, and this is what he will do. Anyone here had financial supply? A lot. Had a need and you had got financially supplied, yeah? Okay. Who then had another financial need? And who had it supplied? But the fear that comes with the second situation is still very real, isn't it? So we're having to renew our mind and go... You know what? He did it before. He'll do it again. What I'm saying out of the whole of this thing tonight is, come Holy Spirit, move like a river, but we have to move in memory. We have to move in this is what God is doing. Done it before. He would do it again. See, remembering isn't attributed to a gift. It's actually going, Holy Spirit, come and work on this mind. Help me to see things the way you see things. 
Psalm 119 verse 111 says, The testimony of the Lord is my inheritance forever. So it doesn't say my testimony is my inheritance. It says the testimony of the Lord is my inheritance forever. And what what does that mean? It means when God parted the Red Sea and drowned the um, Egyptians, that's my miracle and that's my testimony is that God did it for them and he'll do it for me. When Joseph was vindicated, promoted and kept his humility, that's my story. That was the testimony of God interacting with mankind. Everywhere you look in the room, there has been transactions that are going on even now of God with mankind. And you can go, they did it for them, did it for Marco and Andy, he will do it for me. He did it for Abby, he will do it for you. He did it for Jacob Mann, he will do it for you. And then I go, he did it for Rob Porter, and he'll do it again for Rob Porter. And I remember the things of God. Miracles are expensive because sometimes they come at a personal cost. What do I mean by that? Because I have to be in faith for people where God did not meet my need. Did not come through for me and Heather. I have to be in faith. And so do you. And in many ways, that is a sign of the Holy Spirit moving. Because we can all look at our lives and go, you didn't come through and I'm just going to end it all, not end my spiritual life and just walk away. Or we can go, you know what, God, it's not about what I get or what I don't get. It's actually about what you have called me to be and what you want to do and move through me. If you can get the band up, that would be amazing. Thank you. <clears throat> you know, we're not holding spirit without measure sessions to prop our faith up. I don't know about you, but sometimes our meals at home are really rushed. We touch base. We love each other. But I'm going off to do this. Heather's going over there to do that. And Gabby needs to work on an assignment. We're on a mission. Get the food in. Move on. We all love each other still. But there's also times that, and I hope there'll be more and more, that we stop and enjoy the food more. We laugh. We hang out. We celebrate the Creator. We talk about things and we say, this is good. And we have different types of services. And some of our services are like they are. And others are time where we sit around and we just come Holy Spirit. And neither are wrong, neither are right in that sense. They're both a moving of the Holy Spirit. And we have to be comfortable with both. Because it's not about a move out there of the Holy Spirit. It's about a move of the Holy Spirit in here. And we are, not, we are still satisfied with sitting in our own seats in worship and going, well, I'll wait till special service and then I might go down in the Spirit. Or I might laugh or I might do this. We actually have to have our pumps primed, the water flowing, and that's done in the secret place with Jesus. Isaiah said, rend the heavens and come down. And that's preached often in, in revivalist use. It's powerful. It's talking about an open heaven over a region. 
and we're believing for an open heaven over this region. Rend the heavens and come down. Rend the heavens and come down. You know, it says that in the Welsh Revival that ships would pass by the harbour and the whole, they wouldn't even go in the harbour. All the sailors would hit their knees in repentance. Such was the conviction of sin. Such was the presence of the Holy Spirit. We love that thought. Jesus at his baptism, it says the heaven, when he came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, they were rent. And a dove ascended and rested on him from that time forward. See, Jesus saw an answer to Isaiah's prayer. And I believe that God is causing us, calling us to be a generation that steward, steward the manifest presence of God. The person of the Holy Spirit choosing to dwell in us and move through us. When the veil of the temple was rent, it was the same word that was used when Jesus saw the heavens opened at his baptism. It was violent. It was a tearing. It, you know, I don't know about you, but my cry on nights like this is, God, come and rip this thing open. See, reconciliation was made between God and man at Calvary. And that's indisputable. Indisputable. But the truth is, we can go away from a series like this and get back into a mindset of, oh, it's now a closed heaven. But that's not the truth. We live under an open heaven. Because Jesus died for us, rent it, rendered the power of sin and death, null and void, and opened up the heavens for us. And the truth is, as Bill Johnson says, is really the closed heaven is not really out there. It's between these ears in our mind. That is why we need a renewed mind. You know, we become impressed by powers of darkness and forces of evil. It's last, I think this last two years, I've never seen so many believers, and not, I really actually don't mean in our church, but <clears throat> believers worldwide are just so thrown and so off course and so almost like rudderless and without direction. Where's this all going? And we can be impressed not awestruck, but actually impacted. And we can get our eyes on what's dark instead of what is light. We get impacted by COVID, world order, devil's agenda, state of the world, impacted by sickness. Even small things that become big things, impacted by the shabby way we treat one another. But the truth is, if I live in response to darkness and evil, then the devil has had a role in influencing my future. See, Jesus didn't live in reaction to darkness. He lived in response to his Father. This is a generation that God is raising up that will live in response to the Father and will not live in reaction to the works of the enemy. And that is a huge thing. And what I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying tonight simply is this. 
will you be part of that generation tonight? Because I believe God is releasing a generational spirit across our church that says, whatever you want, there is an open heaven. Whatever you need, there is an open heaven. Now, you might not feel stirred up in your spirit tonight. You might go, oh, I wish, I'm not saying you would say this, of course not, not to my face anyway. I wish we'd ended on Fred's word this morning. You see, again, we go by my feelings will dictate whether I will re- respond to the Holy Spirit. Because if I feel like it, I will. And if I don't feel like it, I won't. Which kind of tells you how you're living during the week. If I feel like doing it, I will. And if I don't feel like doing it, I won't. Now, there is an invitation for us to come and jump in the river again tonight. I do believe that there is an anointing for healing tonight. I do believe, Jesse Rose went after it earlier and we're going to go after it. I do believe that there is anointing for the release of finances tonight over this church. I do believe that there is an anointing for the release of the Holy Spirit in your life where you have watched others come forward and go, I wish it was me this time. He's saying, hey, this is your hour. This is your time. There is an open heaven over this church tonight. So let's stand to our feet. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to today's message. Our hope is that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If not, we'd like to invite you to begin your journey with him today. When we read scripture, we see that sin separates us from God, but that our relationship with God is restored by salvation through Jesus Christ. This happens because God gave Jesus his son to die in our place, to deal with the sin problem, and he rose again so that we can have eternal life with him. If we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, we can know salvation today. If you're ready to do that and turn from a life of sin, then pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Saviour. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time today, we would love to know and reach out to you and support you. So please contact us at hello at kingdomculturechurch.com.au.